Welcome in the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out fivereasonsports.com. That is our all-free website where you can find all of the podcasts in our network, including Five Rings, Canes, and Three Yards Per Carry. But also, you can find our YouTube channel, all of our merchandise, including our Tua and our Heat stuff, and all of our columns and trending news articles. Also, check out all of the sponsors in our network. They're all local. They've been supporters of us. Everybody asks, how do we support you? How do we make sure Five Reasons keeps going? Support our sponsors. And one of them is the Gonzalez and Tybor Law Firm. And you can find them at bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. That's right, bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. They've got consultations available via telephone or video conference. So in addition to that website, you can also check out 954 678 8354. That's 954-678-8354. An attorney will answer your call. And in addition to South Florida, they represent clients in Orlando, Tampa, and Fort Myers. You know, people don't like to talk about bankruptcy, but it's one of the few laws that exist to actually help consumers. The new stimulus package just made some important changes to the bankruptcy laws. So it's important to have an attorney explain the changes. Don't try to figure it out on your own, especially because they've got payment plans and little to no upfront fees. They can help you or anyone you know if you're lucky enough to make it through COVID with no financial problems. Chances are you know someone who is not that lucky. Gonzalez and Tybor can help. Even before the pandemic, a lot of people were carrying a lot of debt and living paycheck to paycheck. As we found out, bankruptcy can give them a chance to start fresh. It does not ruin your credit. Most people see an increase of 100 to 150 points on their credit score within a year of filing. So check out bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. Again, the phone number, Gonzalez and Tybor, 954-678-8354. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. ALF954, brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back with you. Got some new episodes coming out this week. Make sure to check out all the ones from last week, including our sit-down. Alex and I had a long conversation with the original undrafted OG, Keith Askins, of the Miami Heat, and that was fun. We kept him for about an hour, told a bunch of stories about Pat Riley, about Glenn Rice, about LeBron James, Michael Jordan. So make sure you check all of that out and also all of our Last Dance episodes. But today, we have gone overseas. Alex and I have. Forget Alf. We've gone overseas to Paris to our guy, Ricky J. Mark, who's over there in Paris. And he is what I call our resident... NBA historian. Uh, he's the guy who, t- Ricky, tell, tell the people what you have, because eventually I'm finally going to get to actually setting this up. Uh, wh- what do you have backlogged in terms of games? Well, basically, the way I've got it set up is I've been collecting, taping, acquiring NBA games dating back to, I want to say, game seven of the Lakers Celtics NBA finals when uh, Bill, Bill Russell pretty much played his final game. So, I mean, I've just basically been hoarding this stuff. And I got to say, it's been very helpful during quarantine over here when we couldn't even leave our apartments and houses because I, just, I would just run through games. And it has been, in many ways, therapeutic. And, again, I mean, you're talking about not just a few games. 
Oh no, not just a few. I mean, when when I when I relocated over here, there were about three uh, DVD books that I had to leave back in South Florida. I had to just stick with my digital collection, and that kind of hurt because there's some games like, for example, like the original tapings of like the '06 Finals, for example. I I had to leave that back home because I couldn't bring all those DVDs with me. So it's weird how. NBA history is the, is what it is. Like, I don't claim to be, you know, the foremost source or whatever on this thing, but it's kind of weird how uh, certain narratives tend to repeat themselves, especially with the way the media tends to cover it sometimes. Well, we're going to cover some of that today, and everybody's into the nostalgia thing. I've, you know, the other night or yesterday, I'm sitting here, and they've got uh, Sonic's Bulls on from, I guess, 96. Oh, it's 06. been great. It's been terrific that they've had these games on here. And, you know, I'm watching that and I'm like, I'm watching Sean Kemp, who I remember very well before he, you know, before the drugs, before he started eating too much, which the only guy I've ever seen who somehow got hooked on, you know, cocaine and all that other stuff and blew up a hundred pounds. So that is not the direction you're supposed to go. Uh, But his career went the other way, but I'm watching him in his prime in that mm-hmm. series and realizing what a monster he was. Yep. And, and you do see some of the comparisons with Bam, to be honest, which is what was mentioned on draft night by, by Riley. And then I'm also watching the bulls go on this 17 2 run or something like that in the third quarter and just realizing how freaking good they were. And oh, yeah. all of that would have translated today. All of it. Um, yeah, it, was I mean, surgical. You know. it was surgical. I mean, the way, the 96, 97, and even 98 Bulls played back then. You like they're they're not the kind of team you would want to play in 2K because you'd have Michael, Scotty, and then that's about it in terms of offensive options. They're not vi- a video game friendly team, but when you watch the way they played back then, they cut teams apart with surgical efficiency. You know, they would make a team like the 96 uh, Magic, who had pretty much a prototypical type of team even for today you had a dominant big man in the middle you had penny hardaway who was an all-world point guard nick anderson dennis scott these are guys who would be all-star caliber players today they would get they were they they essentially got decimated by the bulls Mm -hmm. and of course some injuries like horace grant hurting his elbow and i think game two and some of the internal strife happening with Shaq's impending free agency in 96 that had a that had a role to play but realistically speaking, in terms of some of the greatest teams of all time, if you don't have the Bulls in your top three, yeah, there's something wrong. Somebody, somebody's feeding you some bad information. Yeah, and I think, again, we forget how good some of these teams they beat in the finals were because the, all of those teams had loaded starting lineups. Seattle's lineup really had no holes. Uh, Portland's lineup really had no holes. Utah's lineup really had no holes. And they beat all these teams anyway. All right, so we're going to bring Alex in for this. Today's episode, we're going to focus on this ESPN list. ESPN put out a list, the 74 greatest players of all time. Um, Obviously, they're trying to generate conversation, so we bite. We're going to jump in here on this. And we're going to start here in the first half of the episode. There are six guys who played for the Heat, who are on this list. So I will give you the numbers. And again, two of these guys, or three of them actually, the majority of their careers, well, almost four, were spent elsewhere. But still, they all have a Heat tie. LeBron James is number two on the list. Um, Shaquille O'Neal is number 10. Dwayne Wade is number 26. Gary Payton is number 53. Ray Allen is number 56. That one's interesting because they were traded for each other. 
And the last one is Alonzo Mourning at 63. So if you're looking for somebody who's not here, the one guy who's not here who you could make some kind of a case for would be Chris Bosh. That's the only other one that I think anybody would throw out there. Penny Hardaway played for the Heat. Obviously, career was was cut short uh, where I think he would have been guaranteed to be on this list. So let's go through it. Alex, we'll start with you. Did any of those six placements jump out to you one way or the other? Yes, and I'm going to do the right thing here and, and you know, be the Heat fan representative that I am on this show and say that it's Dwayne Wade. He, he is too low on this list. I'm sorry. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even think it's a biased thing at this point. I, like it, it's, there's obvious bias here, but, you know, they put Kawhi ahead of him. What really, I, like, I, I get what Kawhi has done, right? I get the, the impact that this guy has had. He's a monster. But, like, Dwayne Wade's entire career and, and Kawhi's entire career, are, we're really saying Kawhi has had the better career? Kawhi has had the better peak? And I'm not, not even to make this a Kawhi Wade thing, but that, that's just one example. He, he ends up 26 at all time. Giannis right behind him, which I think is preposterous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like Giannis is going to be there for sure, but – you know, he hasn't, he hasn't really done anything yet. Uh, so I, I, I thought that was funny. Uh, it was good to see Alonzo back there. I'm glad they didn't snub him. We would have gotten really mad about that. Uh, but other than that, I don't really have a problem with it. I would have put Shaq higher than 10. I, I have him probably closer to five. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I'm, I'm good with it. All right, let's, let's start here, Ricky, and, and, uh, and let's start with Dwayne. We'll get to, I mean, LeBron obviously is the biggest argument here and then Shaq, but let, let's, let's start with Dwayne. So if we're going to say he should have been higher, we got to look at who's higher than him that he should have been ahead of. All right, so, so let's go through the list. Jordan, no. LeBron, no. Kareem, no. Bill Russell, no. Magic, no. Wilt, no. Larry, no. Duncan, no. Kobe, no. Although I could argue about peaks there. Uh, Shaq, Shaq, no. Big O, no. Akeem, no. Steph? I think you could start with Steph. And I know that those of us that are not dyed-in-the-wool Heat fans are going to look to his unanimous MVP in 2016 and say that, oh, my goodness, how can you not put Steph ahead of Dwayne Wade? But here's the thing. When you look at what Dwayne Wade has won with and without and when it really matters, you know, and I know this to some this might look this might be considered a cheap argument, but has Steph Curry ever dominated at NBA Finals? I mean, that's one of the most important things you could perform on. You know, we talk a lot about, for example, Game Seven of two thousand and six, the twenty sixteen Finals, and how um, the excuse is, oh, Steph might not have been feeling good, or he, his knees were hurting, or he was injured, or the team was out of whack. No one scored for, I think, seven minutes down the stretch of that game. You're trying to tell me that if you replace Steph with a prime Dwayne Wade, he's not getting some shots up? We're not talking about Dwayne Wade with a rib injury in Game 7 of the 2005 Eastern Conference Finals here, where he doesn't know what he's doing, his rhythm's off. We're talking about prime Dwayne Wade. I don't think you can put Steph – let me see, Dwayne is at – he's at, what, 26? Steph is at – I don't think you can put Dwayne – 13 spots beneath no way I think that's a prisoner of the moment thing and that's something that you we have grown to expect from a sensationalist uh type of rating system that ESPN loves doing they love this stuff all right so let's look at some of the other names because if we're going to hold Steph out there KD I, I don't I don't think you can make the argument for Dwayne over KD will we agree on that 
Mm. Uh, mm, I mean, whoa. I would put KD higher, but I think you can make an argument. I, I, I think Dwayne and should KD be ahead of Steph? Should, should KD be ahead of Steph, Alex? That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. I would say yes, just because he he's he's been at such a high level since the beginning of his career. Where Steph was kind of a late bloomer. Obviously, we know it was because of you know the injury stuff and starting off the Warriors when when, when he got there. You know, we're just a terrible organization. We're in a terrible situation. And oh, you know, Kevin Durant was drafted with Harden and Westbrook, but at the same time, I I'm gonna give it to I'm, I I would give it to KD just because of his entire career and profile as a, as an elite scorer. As, and as basically the number two to LeBron for so long. But I, what, I, what I'm saying is KD, Steph, and Wade should all be more or less in the same ranking. Like, you know, maybe you could have them five, five spots apart, three spots apart, but 13, 15 spots apart, I think that's ridiculous. K, KD or Steph, Ricky? I would put KD ahead because the thing is, if we're looking at the totality of the – of the portfolio of the, of the player's career. There was a, there, at one point in Steph, Steph's career, we wouldn't, we didn't know if he was even going to make it to 10 years because of the ankle injury. Um, before the Achilles tear, KD had uh, the, the foot injury and he came back as though nothing happened. You didn't, you didn't have those worries with KD. KD led you to the conference finals just about every year. And once they started to get good in the Western conference of all places. Uh, and that was with coaching that you could argue was subpar. His greatness was evident throughout the season, throughout the playoffs, and throughout the finals. I mean, Katie shows up on a team with Steph, Clay, Draymond, everybody, and he takes over. He was the best player in those finals yep. on that team. And Steph didn't step – I mean, it's not – and I'm not trying to hold this necessarily against Steph because he did whatever it was that he did. But I think those two final series showed us that – you know, once you put KD and Steph on the same team, you could tell who the better player was. It's almost like when you put Dwayne Wade and LeBron James on the same team, you could tell who was the greater player, even though their primes were comparable in 2009. So, I don't know. I, I would put KD ahead. All right, let's look at the next few, because, again, if we're going to get down to Dwayne, Dr. J, to me, is a hard one to figure because so much of his greatness was pre-NBA. Mm-hmm. how do we evaluate that? Because, uh, and there's also the cultural significance of Dr. J, which goes beyond, in some ways it's a little like Iverson, mm-hmm. where it kind of goes beyond actual performance, but Dr. J changed the way that the game was viewed in, a lot, in, in many ways, and also did get the championship in 83 um, on a team where you could argue he was not the best player at that point, somebody who's a little bit lower on the list was. Mm-hmm. And that was an excellent team. <laughs> it wasn't just him. Uh, that was one of the better starting fives in, in NBA history. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm torn on that one. Like, I, I feel like if you look at all the numbers, you might even say Dwayne had a higher peak than Dr. J because Dr. J's peak was in the ABA. And I don't know what the level of competition was there compared to the NBA. Do you have an issue, Rick, you'll start there with, with Dr. J over Dwayne? Okay, so the cultural significance, like as you, as you mentioned, the cultural significance of Dr. J can't be understated. However, um, Dr. J, I mean, this, it's funny, um, uh, Alfredo, uh, he'll, because he, he, he mentioned he was a Sixers fan during the 80s because everybody was either Celtics or Lakers. From 1976, when the ABA and the NBA merged, to about 1985, the Sixers were in the NBA Finals 
almost every year. Um, it was 81 and 84 in which those were the years in which the Celtics broke through. And from then on, they never looked back. The 76 or, or the 77 finals, they go up two games to none over the Blazers. Dr. J, as great as he was, there, I don't know what it was. Maybe there was a, a, there was a certain kind of killer instinct that, say, a Dwayne Wade. Mm-hmm. He didn't exhibit. And as a result, the series just gets away from them. He had multiple opportunities to get to the finals and win the championship and kept losing to um, the Lakers or whoever. And it wasn't because he didn't have enough help. Because as we all remember, back in those days, the best teams in the league were what you would call super teams today. And I know we, and I know we kind of talked about this uh, off air, but, you know, um, in, the, in the 70s, Dr. J had guys like a, a pre-injury Doug Collins. He had George McGinnis, who some might say was a LeBron type before LeBron came in terms of a big, strong forward that could do just about everything. Um, Daryl Dawkins, um, before they traded for Moses Malone. Guys like that. And then when you move into the 80s, he had guys next to him like Mo Cheeks, which was arguably the greatest name in NBA history, but that's a, not another discussion. <laughs> um, you had Andrew Tony, the Boston Strangler. You had Billy Cunningham, who eventually would go on to, I, I believe, become part owner of the Heat. You had Moses Malone, who would come in 83. Daryl Dawkins, who I believe was an all-star center at the time. Uh, uh, Mark Ivoroni was another guy on that team. He had help. This isn't like LeBron James all by himself against the 2000 and, uh, 2018 uh, Warriors. He had help. They get to the finals and they lose. You know, game six, the legendary Magic Johnson game where he had like 42 points, 15 rebounds, seven assists or something like that. Right. They didn't have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Game six was in Philly. How do they lose that game? Right. You know, because Magic Julius, was the best player on the floor, right? I mean, and and Dr. Yeah, J should have. Yeah, Julius had his opportunities to win a championship. The same way Wilt Chamberlain in a in a back when you only needed to win two rounds to get to the finals. There were eight teams in the league. He kept losing game sevens every year. You know, he had ample opportunities. What did he do with those opportunities? And could it be held against him that his team lost? My argument is yes. Now the culture significance is. I'm not as romantic as those that like to put things on TV, like those legendary clips and all that stuff. He has one ring, one ring. Allen Iverson, yes, cultural significance, big, of course. But he clashed with his coach. He refused to come off the bench late in his career. He, as, you know, pound for pound, one of the greatest scorers of all time, would shoot his team out of, shoot his teams out of games. He was a hard player to build around because the offense was centered around him. And, you know, so I, yeah, I don't think you can put Julius Irving ahead of Dwayne Wade. Some of the old heads might, you know, because, you know, they have like this get off my lawn mentality. They might say, oh, no, you can't put Julius ahead of Wade. I would because, well, 2006 NBA Finals. This was his third season and he and he was he was pretty much dominating veterans. Well, your, well, your point, though, as we get to the next guy, your point about how many finals opportunities you have and what you do with them. Mm-hmm. And that applies to the next guy because, you know, th- this, this debate comes up all the time because when you start talking about the best two guards in NBA history, depending on mm-hmm. what position you put Jerry West at, there's this debate on Dwayne or Jerry West. Um, I know LeBron is a big Jerry West guy and always has been. But 
you know, Jerry West at 16, uh, again, it, uh, and we're, we're not making, I don't think ESPN is making the argument, this, you know, the plumbers argument, so to speak, that, you know, Jerry West was playing against plumbers. I think they're evaluating their careers in terms of what the actual contributions were for their times. Okay. Yeah, there's sure. no, there's no question in my mind that Jerry West couldn't guard Dwayne Wade. Okay. There's just at their peaks. There's just no way. But if we're just looking at what they did in their particular eras, Right. Is it fair? And I, and again, none of us saw a lot of Jerry West. I don't know how much you saw. Um, I've, I've interviewed Jerry West a bunch of times, but in a very different capacity, I think he's the best executive in modern Mm -hmm. history. Uh, but, but Jerry West, 10 spots ahead of Dwayne Wade. I think he's the only other guard ahead of Wade. Um, yes, he is. So the guard, the guards ahead of Wade, if you actually break this down, the guards Mm -hmm. ahead of Wade are Michael, uh, we're not counting LeBron as a guard. So Michael Magic, um, Robert Oscar. So that's three. Steph is four. Kobe. Jer- Jer- Cub, sorry, Kobe's in there too. Okay. And Jerry West and then Dwayne. So they, they have Dwayne as a top seven guard mm-hmm. of all time, which is still pretty damn good. He's ahead of, uh, you know, Nash, ahead of Stockton, ahead of Iverson um, mm-hmm. and that whole core. Uh I'll leave it to both of you guys. Jerry West over Dwayne Wade. I mean, I guess you got to give it to him, right? Uh, when it comes to historical significance and everything that he did for the league, the guy's numbers were ridiculous, by the way, in the finals. We 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 know – I mean, I'm sure Ricky uh, can speak to this in more detail. I mean, I, I know Ricky can speak to this in more detail. Let me, let me correct myself. But, you know, West was another guy who would fall into what Ricky was talking about, whereas, like, he kind of – he kind of – had his chances at some championships too, and he ended up getting one. But I think that's something that you could you could uh, use against him when you're talking about him versus Dwayne. Even if you're even if you're talking on a relative basis, right? Like what you were talking about before, that you're sure that Jerry West can't guard Dwayne. We're kind of ranking it based on what they did relative to their own eras, and even given that context, I just don't think it's possible to have him nine spots or whatever ahead of Dwayne. I just think there's no way. I think I. I Besides the fact that I think Dwayne Wade is easily a more well-rounded player, did more in the highest stages, and it's just pretty much better in every way, I just don't understand the case for West just being that much higher than Wade. I think that one baffles me probably more than than even the – I'm sorry, I'm blanking right here <laughs> – the Steph one, you're thinking, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, but, yeah but, well, but again, like I said, it, it's a lot of spots, and we're going to get to the spots in between, but there's no guards in between. So, so basically, the, they're saying that uh, the decision that was made was to put Jerry ahead, but then also, to, I mean, you're going to see next, it's, it's, it's Carmelone, Moses Malone, Dirk, KG, Scotty, who's a wing, Elgin, who's kind of a wing, Barkley, who's a forward, Robinson, who's a center and Kawhi, who's a forward. So there's no other guards in there. So, so they're not saying there's a bit of separation that way. They're just looking at it and saying Jerry's ahead of him, and then they're going to have all of these other guys. I mean, let, let's, let's pivot a little bit to some of these bigs then, okay? Because um, I was interested by some of this, and then after the break, we'll get into more detail about the other guys. I figured we'd deep dive here on Dwayne. Uh, Carl and Moses. I, I'm actually surprised, pleasantly surprised, that Moses is as high as he is because I feel like – He's one of the most underrated players in NBA history. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I also, and I also feel that way about Scotty in some ways, although I do think we need to have the Scotty discussion. Um, mm-hmm. uh, do, we, do we have uh, – let's look at these bigs, okay? And we don't have to rank them against each other because we'll do that in a second. 
But Carl Malone, Moses Malone, Dirk Nowitzki, KG, can you make an argument that Dwayne had a bigger impact than any of those four? Hmm. I'd put Dwayne, well, I'd put Dwayne ahead of, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, these, these are, hmm. You see, I'd be comfortable putting Dwayne ahead of just about everybody except for Carl Malone. And it's ironic that I do that because, you know, if we go back to the NBA Finals discussion, Carl Malone is, you can trust him up until about the first week of June. <laughs> Carl Malone will give you everything. He will give you an MVP season. He will give you longevity. And then when it's a tie game with about seven seconds left in game one of the NBA finals in which you've been crowned NBA MVP, he'll miss two consecutive free throws, which will lead to a, to a Michael Jordan game winner. Um, one thing I'll say about Carl Malone is that if you look at the NBA, uh, the 97 and the 98 NBA finals, and I watched all 12 of those games, I, I've had time. Um, if Carl Malone had played the way he did in game five of the 98 finals, when they sent the series back to uh, Utah for game yeah. six and pretty much gave Rodman, coach, everybody fits, they would have won one of those two series. I won't say both, but they would have won one of those two. There's something about Malone where when it gets really close and tight, he is not someone you can count on. There, that's where, in my opinion, uh, Charles Barkley has an advantage. That's where someone like Tim Duncan has an advantage. Um, now, to kind of briefly go back to, uh, to touch on very quickly on the guards, as far as my guards are concerned, in, in terms of shooting guards, I have MJ, Kobe, Dwayne, and then Jerry in that order. Mm -hmm. And Jerry is one of the one of the toughest defenders in NBA history, hard-nosed. His numbers are ridiculous. You're talking about a consistent, uh, you know, he's good for 24, 25, anywhere between 26 and 30, uh, 30 points a game in his prime. However, you know, it, and I know this is a terrible sample size, but, you know, 19, the 74 season when he was 35 years old, he averaged about 0.7 blocks a game. I'm willing to bet he wasn't blocking too many shots in his prime, and no one, no guard has blocked more shots than Dwayne Wade. Uh, that, that, I mean, my goodness, that that puts him at least for me. Mm -hmm. Offense, defense, yes, a lot of those stats weren't recorded back then, but you're talking about the greatest shot blocking guard in NBA history. As far as I'm concerned, the only guard, the only two shooting guards greater than Dwayne Wade are Michael Jordan and, and the late Kobe Bryant in that order. Now, to, yeah, I'm, I'm go, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, so, sorry. So, yeah, no, and, and I'm with you on that. I, to me, Dwayne has to be ahead of Jerry. And then, I, I, again, you look at these bigs, and, and so when I look at these four, I, I, I don't put Dwayne ahead of KG. Um, wow. oh, Jerry, Jerry could play today, by the way. He's one of those guys that if, he, if you dropped him in 2020, mm -hmm. he'd get you 20 points a game easy. How do you look at KG um, and Dirk? Because, it's, look, the debate's always going to be Dirk and Dwayne because they faced off against each other twice. Um, I would have liked to have seen them go against each other again when Dwayne was the focal point of the team, although you can make an argument that Dwayne was the best player in the 2011 finals, mm -hmm. which was right smack in the middle of Dirk's prime. Um, I feel that in some ways Dwayne gets knocked against Dirk because – 
Dirk didn't have a super team later in his career uh, and won anyway, uh, where he was clearly the focal point of that team with obviously, you know, Jason Terry and, and an old Jason Kidd and Sean Marion, an old Sean Marion. Um, can you, uh, let's go, it's a little more uh, modern, so I'll go, to, I'll go to Alex on this one. Can you make the case for Dwayne over Dirk? Yes, I think it's a very easy case to make as well, too. <laughs> and again, I know how I'm sounding. I know that I'm supposed to sound like this and I'm supposed to have these biases, but I just, I get it, right? Dirk, for his entire career, was one of the greatest offensive talents in the game, one of the greatest offensive talents we've ever seen. They were winning 50 games for the overwhelming majority of his career. He got deep in the playoffs over and over. They won that championship where he just played phenomenally after pretty much getting owned by Udonis Haslam the first time they matched up with the Heat. Uh, but I don't understand. What is the case to put him over Dwayne? What, what, like Dwayne is the more well-rounded player, did more at the top of his game, did more at the highest level, won more titles, which is usually like the tiebreaker. You know, they put Scotty ahead of Dwayne. I'm guessing that was because of the titles. So it's like there, there's a lot of, like, contradicting, you know, logic here. And I understand why it's tough to kind of, like, sort this out or rank this. Because, you know, there's so many different careers, so many different eras, so much different context. But in reality, the Dwayne and Dirk thing, it's like they played in the same era. Dwayne beat Dirk. He won more than Dirk and was better at the top of his game than Dirk. So I just don't – I don't really understand. I don't mind them being close to each other in the rankings, but I don't understand having having Dirk over Dwayne at this point. I think it's – you know, this is ironic in which you're talking about someone who won an NBA, an NBA MVP in 2007, the year after Dwayne beat him in the finals because when – after Dirk himself choked at the free throw line. It's, it's a weird thing with these big men where when they choke, it seems to be at the line. But anyways, I digress. 2007. Uh, Dirk won the MVP, uh, but he won it and he accepted the award from home. Why did he accept the award from home? Because they lost well, the Golden State was, Warriors in the first round. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because Dirk Nowitzki, one of the most unguardable players in NBA history. I, remember, I mean, even back when he was dropping 40 on the Heat in the 05 season, you know, he's seven feet tall. He can jump a little bit and his release is high. You're not blocking that shot. I mean, Ethan, you could probably speak to this better than me, but correct me if I'm wrong. Did they not have Earl Barron pretending to be Dirk? Yes. Yeah, they, no, the they, yeah, yeah, they called they, they called him Dark Nowitzki. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so like here's the funny thing. Like they completely took Dirk out of that series. It was basically like a a bigger CBA type of team in the Warriors where they, I don't think they even had a seven footer aside from that one, I think Latvian guy. Uh, B. Adrians. They, they didn't yeah, play him yeah. though. They, they, they basically went, we was Baron. Uh, that team was better than an eight seed, by the way, but that, that team was, was Baron Jason Richardson uh, were the core guys, right? There, there was Baron, I mean, Jason Steven Richardson, Jackson, Steven, Steven Jackson, Jackson, Monte Ellis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, Matt Barnes. Yeah. Those guys. Um, they completely took him out of that series. Now, I'm trying to think of a series where, you know, we're not counting a series in which he was injured, where a team was able to to successfully neutralize Dwayne Wade in the. But Ricky, isn't that the point? I mean, Alex is asking the question: Why are they putting Dirk ahead of Dwayne? I think the reason is the durability. I I think that because because Dirk is more of a was more of a compiler simply because he stayed healthy. 
I, I mean, I, you, you can make the peak argument, but again, mm-hmm. the peak argument is difficult to make when the other guy also did win an MVP and also did beat, I mean, again, it was one of the great co- mental collapses of all time by somebody on the other side, but did beat, you know, the, the big three heat, you know, at, at, you know, in, in what was still LeBron's prime in 2011. And so, but do they beat the heat without LeBron playing as bad as he did? No, of course not. Of course, they probably don't even beat the heat. If, if Mario Chalmers <laughs> is starting the whole series instead of Mike Bibby. Okay. But, but the reality is that it happened. And so you got to give Dirk credit for it. He played well enough to win. It's not like, I mean, his finals was better than some of the Steph finals that that we talk about it wasn't a bad finals it's just Dwayne outplayed him in that finals Mm -hmm. I thought but it wasn't a bad finals and I so I think what's happening is push comes to shove they're giving the durability to Dirk because a lot of the other stuff is similar enough now I look at the rest of this list I mean I mean to me KG I think people forget KG's greatness in Minnesota because they're just thinking of Boston KG who was to me a little bit of a different player but then they never got out of the first round no, they didn't get out of the first round. He also didn't have well, – well, he had – okay, he had Spreewell and Marbury around him, which knuckleheads, although talented. Um, he had Terrell Brandon. He had some players, but, I, you know, they also – you know, they, they should have won that one year. But let's look at some of the other guys ahead of Dwayne here, and then, again, mm-hmm. we're going to go to break. Um, all right, Scotty, Elgin, Charles, David. We've already talked Kawhi. Um, Okay, now let's. Let, let, Scotty's twenty-one. I want to talk about him after this. Let, let's talk about the other three. Uh, Elgin. It's tough for me with the Laker guys, man, because there were so many great ones. I don't even know how you separate in some ways. Uh, Charles, who I agree with, I would put Charles ahead of Carl Malone. Um, I, I think Charles has become underrated as a player in retrospect the more that he talks as a so TNT good. analyst. Mm-hmm. And, and I think people are starting to realize it when they're watching these old games, like there wasn't really anything he couldn't do. Um, and I also think David, I, David Robinson to me has become completely under, we don't talk about him anymore. Like not enough, not enough. And he, and part of that, I guess is Duncan kind of usurped it there, but mm-hmm. been part of it is because Akeem embarrassed him in his MVP season yeah, but but I, he I got still, to the finals. He did get to the finals. He needed Tim to get there, right? That was ninety nine. No, I was just making I was just making another passing joke about Dirk. Oh, not, oh he, Dirk not the finals. first right. round. Well, uh, no, that's no, no. He didn't make the finals that year, though. He lost to Akeem. Akeem wiped the floor with him in the uh, in the Western Conference Finals. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Um, and then and then of course Kawhi. Um, can you make the case? Let's and then we'll go to break. Can you make the case for Dwayne over David? I can't make the case for him over Charles. I know Charles doesn't have the championship, but I can. Um, Elgin or David? Oof. Okay. Well, for starters, uh, I think on principle, I have to put Elgin ahead of David Robinson. You're talking about a guy who averaged 38 points and 18 rebounds a game one one year. Mm. (laughs) I mean, that's crazy. I think that was the same season uh, Wilt averaged 50. Yep. Mm -hmm. And – that's so for me in terms of greatest small forwards, he's my third. He's behind only LeBron and Larry in that order. But doesn't oh, he can't. also get obscured, Ricky? Because again, I think a lot of these guys get obscured. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets colored by what they do after the league. And Elgin was such a bad general manager that I feel mm. like that, you know, it's like Jerry West's pro- stock and profile went up because he was so good at the post career stuff. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And Elgin's went down because he was so bad at it. Well, yeah, and see, unfortunately, people people like to use post-retirement legacy against the player. And to, you know, I, I think that's unfair because if we're just looking at who they were as players, Elgin Baylor was the guy that every high-flying player ever since owes their style to. Guys like Julius, guys like David Thompson, MJ, uh, even Robert Pack dunking on, I think, what, Hakeem in like 93 or something like that. These guys all owe a lot to Elgin Baylor. This was the guy who took the game of basketball from north-south to up-down. He was the first guy that could fly in the NBA. And people don't talk about him enough, of course, because of the fact, because he was associated with the Clippers. But we're talking about one of the great, okay, this is a guy who retired with a 27.4 point 13.5 rebound a game average is are there any active players right now with those numbers right now, no. if they were to retire right now, would they have those numbers? I don't think so. Right. This guy, I think you put him ahead. Now the thing is what David has and what Elgin doesn't have technically is a ring, mm-hmm. but that ring came or those rings came after the back injury after uh, uh, Robinson became he after he declined and everything like that and after tim duncan came to town now elgin i I think it's i think it's fair to put elgin ahead of david now people might look at this and say what you don't think david robinson's that good i mean my goodness look at the first 30 names on this list you're talking about legends you could build a championship team around virtually each and every one of these guys well except for maybe jerry west because he had like 20 opportunities (laughs) <laughs> but um, you, could, you could do that. And that's the thing that's crazy about this discussion is that we're talking about essentially like basketball gods, you know. But I would put Elgin ahead of David. Now, this is, I don't know, maybe this is subject to change. Maybe new information will come out, new research will come out, more games will come out. And I'll, but for now, I'm, I've got him ahead. All right. So we're, we're going right, we're gonna, to we're gonna continue this after the break because I, I, I still want to get to the Scotty Dwayne discussion. 
Um, and I still want to get to the Kawhi Dwayne discussion. And I want to get to an Isaiah Thomas discussion here too, because uh, I feel we talk about somebody whose greatness is being obscured by what they did after basketball. I think he definitely qualifies. And then we're going to get into sort of our biggest uh, snubs here. But first, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's Christopher's Bakery. You can find them on social media at Nilla Wafer Cakes. We had Courtney Harris here on the podcast last week. He was terrific. Big, big, big Heat and NBA fan. He could actually do pretty well on this pod. Also, check out at Nilla Wafer Cakes on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Christopher's Bakery is named after Courtney's brother, who passed away from a seizure at just 11 years old. They partnered with Miami Children's, Miami Nicholas Children's Hospital and set up a fund where they donate a portion of the sales to epilepsy neuro, neuroscience research since that's where they spent much of his life. The signature product, and I've had it, I'm going to order another one, is a vanilla wafer cake, which was created by Courtney's father over 30 years ago. They've got other cake options available for shipping as well, and they ship all across the country. And even with COVID over, we'll start hand delivering here again in South Florida, but you can still get it sent to you here in South Florida. So go to the page. It's a special page. It's called Christopher'sBakery.com backslash five reasons. Make sure you spell it out. F-I-V-E reasons and enter the code five reasons also spelled out F-I-V-E reasons for 15% off everything that you order. So check it out. Christopher's Bakery. Help Courtney out. It's terrific stuff and you'll help us out. All right. So let's get to it, guys. Let's, uh, let's take a look at the rest of this because Scotty and Dwayne. Um, Scotty's 21. Dwayne's 26. Scotty was only the best player on his team once. Mm-hmm. And it went pretty damn well for a while. Uh, they were 55 and 27 with Pete Myers at the two. And totally different team and probably could have gotten to the finals again that year. Scotty was top three for MVP. But, of course, declined to go in the game, as we've seen in Last Dance. Everybody now remembers that again. Declined to go in the game at the end. Shot shot uh, was designed for Kukoc. Kukoc made the shot. Pippen very unhappy. Uh, it became part of his legacy. Greatest number two in NBA history. Does anybody disagree with that? Uh, think, or is Kobe? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of them too, probably. Maybe I mean, unless you want to count Dwayne as a number two, maybe you could count uh, Magic Johnson as a number two or Kareem as a number two. But mm. as far I, as- I would have Worthy as a number two in that discussion. But because by the time Magic was, yeah, Kareem was older. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I would have it as so. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So if he's all right, if he's the greatest number two though. Dwayne wasn't Dane. Dwayne won in the championship as a number one. I, I don't care what you say about Shaq at that point. Dwayne was the number one. The numbers bear it out and all the rest of that. And he was sort of one B for the first year with LeBron and then was clearly number two after that. Scotty, we talk about Dwayne being a great defender. Scotty was elite. Um, Dwayne was a much better scorer than Scotty, even when Scotty had the team to himself as facilitators. They were both pretty damn good. Um, I might give the edge to Scotty because just because of his size, maybe. Oh wow. Uh, maybe. I, well, it, it, I, well. Again, the issue with Dwayne was the consistency of the defense. It wasn't the peak of the defense. It's. Oh no, I'm not even talking about the defense. I think Scotty. Obviously, you give him the edge there. I was talking about the playmaking part. Scotty was a pretty damn good playmaker. It was in. Oh, I know it was. That. It, it was in the system, unlike Dwayne. It was in the system. Uh, I mean, Ricky, where would you stand on that? Okay, so Scottie Pippen, the, the thing with Scottie is he is not, he is in many ways like a, a proto a proto LeBron. You know, first you had Scottie, and then 
basketball evolved and then you had Grant Hill in his prime and then LeBron came a few years later who had the total package. Scotty, yeah. Uh, Scotty was never the explosive scorer. His career high was, uh, I believe, 47 points. He's, it took him like, let me see, he was drafted in 87. It took him 10 years to get that in a game against the Nuggets in like 97 or something like that. Um, he was never the guy that would go for like 35, 40. Uh, 29, 11, that's like his best type of game. I wouldn't put Scotty, and I wouldn't put Scotty ahead of Dwayne Wade. I really wouldn't. Um, he, even though he is my favorite player of all time, Scotty is arguably the greatest role player of all time. He is the perfect guy to have as a number two, mainly because you can run a team for about a decade and you won't hear about drama in the locker room in terms of player chemistry. Now his relationship with, or his decision to sign that bad contract in the early nineties, that's a whole nother situation, mm -hmm. but you're talking about the guy who knew his role. You're not gonna have a you're not gonna have a problem there. But in terms of greatest players of all time, I don't think you could put Scotty ahead of Dwayne Wade. Now, some people will try to do that because of the rings and everything like that. And and I understand where they're coming from, but the reality is we saw what Scotty was gonna we saw a team with Scotty at the head of it. Now, granted, should we judge him because of that 1.8 seconds? No, I don't think that's fair. That's a, it's a bad moment in an otherwise amazing regular season. However, there were a couple more games after that. Scotty had the opportunity, even after the Hugh Hollins call in, I think, game five, where yeah. he allegedly fouled him and they called it and they almost won or whatever. He had the opportunity to pretend to be Jordan and guide them past the Knicks in game seven. They had the lead, I think, going into the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure we can probably go back and confirm that or, or whatever. They did. They I trust me. I was, I was on the other side of that thing. So I was, yeah, I was they, a Nick fan at the time. So I remember. As that. was I. What, in 94? Yeah, I was yeah. like three or something. But still, right. that was my first team. I was, I was right there with you. Um, they didn't win. Now, granted, the Knicks were a better team. But they, the Knicks, the major flaw of the Knicks, as we would go on to see, is that they, they tend, in, in many ways, it was kind of like the 92 Blazers. Very talented, rugged, collapsed at the worst, worst time. Mm -hmm. You know, so I wouldn't put Scotty ahead of Dwayne Wade. To me, the other way to look at this is if they both played together in their prime, mm -hmm. Dwayne would be the lead dog, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he would, he would be a lesser lead dog than Jordan, but he would still be the lead dog, right? Oh, and, they, would, they would win championships. Also, right. by the way, you mentioned that uh, Pippen is never going to give you problems. We know, and and you and you qualified it with you know the, all, the drama that came with Pippen came because of other circumstances, not because of him questioning his role. But once you said that, it made me think. He never really had to accept a secondary role in his. I mean, not a secondary role. He never had to accept a role that wasn't obvious when he was in his athletic prime in the NBA. Whereas as he he never had to deal with like let's say if he had to play with somebody more or less on par with him. I, I don't know. Name a guy. Who isn't Michael Jordan? Well, Clyde Drexler. I mean, somebody like that, right? Okay. Like so, okay. Somebody closer to him in that regard. Maybe we would have seen something different happen. But I, I'm, I completely agree with you here. I just don't see how, I don't see how you could put Scotty over Wade when it's, when it's, you know, Scotty only had that one year as the lead guy, uh, did very well, but Wade had a whole career of it before LeBron came here. It's just and and he won a title at the age of 23, playing like Michael Jordan. Yeah, Scotty Pippen just his accomplishments, as great as they are, I just don't see how at the highest level he he, he even compares to Dwayne. 
Oh yeah, and one more thing. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about that 94 season and how they won, I think it was 55 games. Mm -hmm. They were treading water in 95 before Michael came back. They were a That's 500 true. team. That's now, true. the thing is, of course, there, there were also some external factors here. You know, Horace Grant left in free agency and Scotty was fed up with the team. But still, yeah, they were a 500 team before Michael came back and saved the day. You could start to see the, 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 the weight of carrying everything way on Scotty. Scotty is, as I said before, the greatest role player of all time. And that is where he is able to flourish. Now, for example, I think we briefly talked about how uh, the 2011 uh, Mavericks had a bunch of guys that were a little bit past their prime and stuff like that. The beautiful thing about that team was that Jason Kidd, uh, uh, Sean Marion, a lot of those guys, they were past their prime, but because they weren't, they didn't have to be the alpha on that team, they were able to uh, basically harness their amazing ability, the amazing abilities that they had when they were in their primes and feed it into a pretty a, 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 a disastrous collective for that team. So when you have a team like the Bulls, who, you know, they still they still had all of their guys. They still had Horace. They still had BJ. Horace and BJ were actually, um, they were all-stars in 94. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The triangle offense was an offense that is more team-oriented. Michael bucked that offense a lot of times in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. and he had, And it took him a full year to buy into it in 1990. You know, that was the year, and I think they mentioned it in the documentary, where mm -hmm. that was arguably Phil Jackson's greatest coaching accomplishment because they, then they, people were able to say, well, you're not that great without Michael. Let's see how you do, and we were able to see it. Now, one last thing on Scotty, and I know we have to move on. Um, one of the reasons why I suspect Phil gave the ball to Tony Kukoc in that game three was because what people don't realize is that the possession before – uh, the Knicks tied it up. Scotty had the ball and didn't know what to do with it. He got lost. Tony Kukoc was known for hitting big shots throughout the, throughout the season. I, I think against Milwaukee, against Indiana throughout the regular season, he was an easier person to give the ball to, to just chuck it up there. Scotty Pippen, if you notice, wasn't the kind of person that would slash into the lane and hit a pull-up jumper. He wasn't the type of fluid, uh, a scorer that Michael was. And it was a good judgment call, at least as far as I'm concerned. So I don't know. I mean, you, you as a result of that, you can't, you can't give, you can't, you can't put him ahead of Dwayne Wade. It just so so, so it, it sounds like we would have, and I want to move to other players now. It sounds like we would have Dwayne somewhere in the 18 to 20 area based on what we're talking about with some of the guys we think mm -hmm. he should be ahead of maybe an 18 to 20. I do think there were some guys behind Dwayne that cases can be made for. Um, but I, I want to go through uh, here, just uh, let's do this rapid fire. I want to go through some specific uh, players and scenarios with you. And you just give me your, your shortest, best answers on whether or not in your view, these are the right decisions. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal at 10. Uh, I think one of you said you'd have him closer to five. I think it was Alex. Yeah. Uh, so, so then the debate becomes first thing, Shaq or Kobe, Kobe ahead of Shaq. You would have Kobe's nine, Shaq's 10. Alex, who would you have ahead of who? I'd have Shaq ahead of Kobe by a couple spots, maybe, I don't know, five spots. Uh, like, I wouldn't be against having Kobe as, like, 11 or 12. I wouldn't be against having Shaq at, like, even five, six. 
to be honest. It, it, I think, you know, you can really make cases for guys like, you know, are you going to pick Magic over Shaq or Larry over Shaq? Maybe, maybe not, but uh, I'll take Shaq over Kobe. Ricky, who would you have? Yeah, I'd have Shaq over Kobe. I mean, this guy, this is a guy who in his prime averaged 38 points and 17 rebounds in the 2000 NBA Finals against the Pacers. Yeah, Kobe I, has I, never had a finals like that. Yeah, I, I think I would too. But then the other argument becomes uh, having Shaq here two spots ahead of Akeem when in their respective – I maybe Shaq wasn't in his prime prime at that point. But Akeem yeah, pretty – but yeah, he wasn't ready. But Akeem did take it to Shaq when they played against each other. So that one becomes a little bit more challenging. All right, here, here's another one. Isaiah Thomas at 31. Um, behind, Stockton at 28, Iverson at 29, Nash at 30. That's offensive. Yep. I can't have Isaiah behind Allen Iverson. I'm sorry. No, um, mm-mm, mm-mm. That, that'll, get you, that'll get you into a fight in certain barbershops. <laughs> I mean, I mean, how? I mean, I mean, what? What is even the justification for that? Just better score? Because there, there's no other area of the game that Allen was better than Isaiah in. I think Isaiah continues to suffer in many ways. In in many ways, like his Chicago brethren, Tim Hardaway, um, because of things that were done or said in the past, and they're being mm-hmm. held against his portfolio today, keeping him out of the respect that he deserves for his effort, for his efforts. Isaiah Thomas is the greatest small guard in NBA history. Okay. Now there's, you know, there's magic, Oscar, Stockton, Isaiah, guys like that. But you're talking about a guy who was the best player on two championship teams. I don't know how you put him ahead of Allen Iverson, especially considering Isaiah could have easily been a 27 point a game scorer in his prime, but Mm -hmm. knew that in order to win, he had to scale back around five points in order to give opportunities to guys like um, uh, the microwave, uh, Vinnie Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. Or Dumars uh, or, 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 or Aguirre yeah. or Dantley or any, yeah. any of so, the other guys he had. Yeah, Isaiah should be a lot higher than he is, and he should have been on that dream team. No, no question about that. All right, so let's get to a couple of other ones here. Um, Patrick Ewing at 37 and Kevin McHale at 36 is another one I don't like. Um, I hate that. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, Patrick always had to carry that damn team. And, and you know, he kept running into Jordan. This idea that he came up small in big moments I, I think is unfair. Um, he came up big in plenty of big moments against the Heat. Uh, in those series, I, I don't really understand that one. Um, I guess rings is the argument there. But like we've said, they don't use the rings argument in other cases. So I – I, I don't get that one. But he, here's another one I, I, don't, uh, I, I don't necessarily like. I, I think Chris Paul is underrated at 40. Yes. I, I, I think he should be higher than that, right? I'm looking at the point guards ahead of him. Stockton, 28. Nash, 30. We mentioned Isaiah, who we think should be higher, 31. Jason Kidd, 35. Uh, Chris and Paul Iverson. and Iverson, I guess, if we call him a point guard. Uh but Chris Paul, to me, again, is this another rings argument? Because I, I, he should be higher, no? Yeah. Uh, he, we're talking about the guy who we call the point god. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a guy who was neck and neck with Kobe uh, in 2008 for the MVP award. Oh you know, this is a guy that had, so he had, he had Tyson Chandler, David West, Peja Stojakovic, and I think Mo Peterson. 
mm-hmm. in that yes. lineup, Mel and they won like 54, 55 games or something like that. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul should be higher. He, he shouldn't be higher than Isaiah, but he should be higher. Also, Bob Cousy is way too high on this list. Yeah, I'm with you at 41. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you way too. Way too high. You yeah. can't put him ahead of, of – no, no, he's too high. Oh, you can't put him ahead of Gary Payton. Well, okay. Uh, okay, so that was going to be my next ask. Okay, so Westbrook's – okay, Cousy's at 41. Westbrook's at 42. The next point guard after that is GP. I love that those two are back-to-back, by the way. <laughs> oh, and Westbrook and Cousy? Yeah, yeah. it couldn't be more different. Yeah. Uh, but, but, I mean, even if it's an error thing, I, I don't think you can make the – well, I think GP should be ahead of Russ, but I'm going to be in the minority on that. Um, I, 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 I think GP is being – Another one who's being significantly underrated historically. I, I, why isn't he ahead of? I mean, why isn't he ahead of Russ? Because he didn't have the huge. He wasn't a triple double machine. I guess he didn't win an MVP. I mean, I, right? I mean, that's he yeah, did win a championship. I don't know that we can and count a defensive that player one. Of the year. He was defensive player of the year. He could have been a much bigger scorer on that team. It wasn't this way the team was built. I, I don't know. He was the best yeah, player on the finals team versus Jordan, wasn't he? Like. Yes, uh, yes. Well, yeah. Well, he, Kemp had moments. Kemp had moments. Yeah, they needed they needed Kemp to be great, and he wasn't because, honestly, and there's actually a YouTube video out there that details all of this. There's a case that could be made for Dennis Rodman as being the 96 Finals MVP. Oh, he was unbelievable. I, I'm watching. Yeah. He's uh, just, just unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't – yeah, I wouldn't uh, – Gary Payton's too low on this list. I mean, this is a guy who – if you talk to Jason Kidd, who was 35 on this list, Jason Kidd used to have nightmares about this guy because they yeah, grew G- up in Oakland. Yeah, G- GP uh, played him most of the time. No, I'm with you. All right, so let's get to a couple of others here. Uh, mm-hmm. Ray at 56. Um, again, I'm not thinking of Heat Ray, although you have to throw in the shot, obviously. But he's right behind Paul Pierce. 54. Vince is 55. Vince has had a complicated yeah, career. I don't, I don't get that. So, you see me, so he's behind Paul Pierce, as in Paul Pierce is, is uh, ranked higher on the list, right? Paul Pierce is 54 and Ray is 56. Yeah, I think, I, you know, it's weird. You know, I've noticed, this is how I know, and I, I hate to be railing on ESPN, but you can tell by this list that people who, who have a YouTube account had something to do with making this list. Someone must have seen Vince Carter's, uh, you know, all the dunks and all that other stuff and think, oh, yeah, we should put him way ahead of some of these other guys on this list. Now, here's the thing. Well, I think we can all agree that Vince Carter is, is, has been, you know, in his prime was a great shooting guard. At one point, it was Kobe, Vince, T-Mac in terms of who was the best. Mm-hmm. But in terms of can you count on him, you know, can, you know there, there was a time when he was called half man, half amazing. And then yeah. within two years, he was half man, half a season. Right. Oh, wow. And then they right. traded him to New Jersey. He also did not come up big in big games, historically. Um, I, yeah. and again, I think his, his reputation has been changed in a positive way because of the way he, he – first thing, he's just a great guy, so everybody likes sure. him. Yeah. But, but, but also, it's because he changed his game probably more significantly than any player in NBA history mm-hmm. to, to be able to stick around as long as he did but I don't know that you can make the case that Vince Carter at 55 was better than Alex English at 67. Didn't and he score like the, the most total points in the eighties, Alex English, Alex yeah. English. He didn't do anything else, but, but Alex, but you know, who's not on this list. And, and to me, I, I did this thing about a, about a year ago. And if you went at that point, 
to basketball reference and literally lined up Carmelo Anthony's numbers with Alex English, they are exactly the same player. The only difference is one of them played in New York. They're the same exact Mm -hmm. play. I mean, it was like, it was scary. Like to every, to every metric, like 20 metrics, they were the same. And I would argue that Bernard King in his prime was better than both of them. And yep. he's at 69, but that's injury. Some of this is right. difficult because of the injuries. You know, Why Penny is Paul Hardaway Pierce was, up so high? Because he's probably Penny on ESPN. Why is Paul Pierce on? Why is Paul well, Pierce on this list? Period. I don't. Well, know. well are you know? Well, Paul Pierce was pretty good, but you know, are you noticing a Boston bias on this list? Look, look at some of this stuff here. I mean, you mentioned where where uh, you know, ESPN's in Connecticut. Bill Russell at four, Bird at seven. I mean, I hey, can make it. Though. I I think Bird is okay. Those two may be fair. But then we mentioned Kuzi, okay, who I think – Havlicek at 33 I think is high. McHale at 36, I've already said it should not be ahead of, uh, of Patrick. You have Kuzi at 40. Bill Walton at 48. I, I, don't, I don't know where you go with that one. I mean, maybe the Boston influence helps. I, he, he didn't play enough in the pros. No, he I, didn't. I mean, he's one of the – he was one of the most – I mean, if you're talking about overall basketball career, including when he was, like, undefeated for four years at UCLA. Yeah. Well, yes. Fine. So this is NBA, right? right? And he only played – what, he had, what, five, maybe – Five effective seasons. He had one of the shortest primes in NBA history for an elite guy who's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, if you're going to make that argument, Penny Hardaway had five seasons that were as good as Bill Walton's seasons. Uh, Grant Hill had five seasons. He's not on this list. Uh, Tracy McGrady does make the list at 52. I mean, that's another interesting debate because when Grant and Tracy were together, Grant was the best player on the team. But, uh, you know, again, I understand Tracy's injuries didn't cut him short quite as much, but again, Grant stuck around for another 10 years like Vince did. So that's a tough one for me. Um, I'm going to talk about two guys who couldn't really do it by themselves. T-Mac never got out of the first round before he was on the Spurs. No, and Grant couldn't either. Grant Grant couldn't either. And now part of same it was, was, the, same thing with was the injury. Uh, all right, so let's go to a couple more. I do want to address a couple more guys on here. Zoe at 63 behind Dennis, two spots behind Robert Parrish. Mm. Again, I'm looking yeah. at Celtic bias there. I'm I, Dennis. I can make the case for Dennis Rodman. Yeah, I wouldn't him. look. Uh, Robert Parrish to me was a very talented, very good center. Would I put him ahead of Morning? Honestly, I think, and this is with Mikhail too. I think the fact that he played on loaded teams in the '80s and kind of inflated his legend, and the fact that he retired as one of the oldest players in NBA history, mm. kind of inflated it as well. I wouldn't have put him ahead of someone like Morning, who had to carry more weight throughout his career. You're talking put about Zoe, more- put Zoe on those teams with Larry Bird and Kevin McHale oh instead of God. Robert Parrish. I mean, if you just substitute the two of them, I mean, Parrish didn't dominate games. Zoe what was dominated Parrish better at than Alonzo? Nothing. Uh, pro- I think I think he was probably better offensively. I was going to say that has to be like the one you thing. Because right? Zoe, Zoe was primarily a defensive player in his he offense. He was, and Zoe, Zoe was clunky, but I, but I, I don't I don't think the difference was as great as the difference on the other end. And he wasn't an intimidator like Zoe was. He ooh, wasn't. Ooh, he ooh. was he, the chief. He was intimidating, but not like Zoe, dude. I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm taking Zoe there. I'm taking Zoe. I, I no I, no I me like, too me too. I'm just I, yeah. I, I I like okay. And then here's another one. Dave Cowens is here at 66. How many freaking Celtics are on this list? And then, and we're not even going to count Ray, but let's get to this one because I found it interesting. The other guy who pops up on the list here, let's go to the current guys and then we'll close. Mm-hmm. James Harden at 32. We mentioned Giannis at 27. Too soon. 
It's How is soon. Giannis six spots ahead of Harden already? Like, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't understand it. It's too I, soon for him. Harden has been, like, incredible for, like, five, six years straight. Giannis just started being what he is. Like, I don't – Like, I two years ago. Ka- yeah. Kawhi, Kawhi at 25, Westbrook at 42. Um, and then we go through to the next list. There's not a lot of current. Anthony Davis at 45. I feel like that's going to go up when the championship happens. Um. But then I, I was really fascinated by this. If you go to this last column, 56 to 74, the mm. only current player is Dame Lillard. That was weird. Hmm. And I wouldn't have guessed that. I mean, I, if you're looking at – and, again, I'm, I'm a huge Dame fan, but is there somebody we're not thinking of? Is there somebody in the current game that I mean, should be there? <laughs> I just – like, a, like you know, very quick – you know, trying to think on it, like who, who would have a better case from current players as you were saying that. <laughs> I want to pose a question here. Does Jimmy Butler have a better case for Dame Lillard? Um, nah. he's never, they, they've never won anything with, they never won anything with Jimmy as the best player. That's the only problem. Well, yeah. I mean, I think if you ask, like, if you ask the hype beasts or whatever, Dame has two <laughs> iconic playoff moments. Well, one of them, one of them, Ricky is over the guy that I think you could actually put ahead of him. Who's Paul George. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. You know, I, I mean, you could make a case for Paul because look, you're going to make yep. a case for Jimmy. You got to put Paul George ahead of Jimmy. I'm sorry. No, you're um, right. But, but, but the other guy who's not here and I, I'm not a fan. Okay. As people know, but Kyrie Irving has done more as a pro than Dame Lillard has, hasn't he? Uh, my head, but it's like he never had. Uh, he, he, he never had a moment. I mean, he had a moment. No, no, he had no. Without, yeah, without <laughs> I mean, question, without I mean, question, he has. But the problem, you see, the problem with Kyrie Irving is, you know, for the first four years of his career, he didn't touch the playoffs once, right. and you know, he didn't start succeeding until LeBron came back, and then they traded him to a Boston team that already had talent on it, and he managed to blow that up within a yep. year and a half. Mm-hmm. Kyrie without quite, I mean, Kyrie to me, I would put him in kind of like a Chauncey Billups type of category where maybe like where you can define a huge moment from him based on something that happened in the NBA finals. Cause Chauncey was treading water until he ended up in the Pistons in like 2002. Yeah. He, he bounced to like six different teams. Right. Yeah. Would you, so, would you, would, would you have, would you have, would you have Chauncey ahead of Tony Parker? Tony Parker 70. Mm. You see, Tony's benefited from, you know, being in San Antonio, and he's had many duds in the playoffs. Yes, he has. But would you have – they have Manu 12 spots ahead of Tony. Well, Manu – Manu in 2005 against that Pistons team, I remember on – I think it was Real GM, those Mm -hmm. message boards from back in the day, some some guy – had the nerve to post something about is Manu greater than Michael? Now, of course, that's obviously ridiculous. Right. But I don't honestly, I, I think you can find a better player than Tony Parker on this list. Yep. And you can replace him. Honestly, if you told me, uh, even if you told me Chauncey Billups yeah, was ahead of Tony, I'd be I'd have been fine with it. Because you take Chauncey, you look at the excellence that they did, like that they that they had two straight NBA finals, one yeah. championship. Uh, Eastern Conference Finals from 03 to 08, the longest streak until LeBron decided I was going to rule, he was going to rule everything. He moves to Denver. He takes Carmelo to the Conference Finals. Mm -hmm. They move to New York, and all of a sudden, New York becomes a threat. Mm -hmm. And if it it wasn't for him popping his Achilles in, I think, 2012, 
Right. Who knows what would have happened with that Clippers team? Or well, you mentioned Carmelo. Yeah. Is he the guy that's looking at this list? Who's the guy who's looking at this list, which has Artis Gilmore, uh, Dikembe at 73 and Artis Gilmore at 74? And then it closes. Who's the guy who's looking at this list um, that is looking at this and saying, I should be on here? Deion Waiters. I can, yeah, I can. Yeah, well, <laughs> I can give you, I, I think I can give you maybe two or three names. Okay. Um, is Reggie Miller on this list? Yep. He is. He is. He is? Okay. I would say Chris Weber, Dwight oh, Howard, yeah. Carmelo Anthony. Because Chris Weber, he had his injury issues and his clutch issues. He was kind of like a mini Malone in that regard. But everywhere he went, they ended up in the playoffs within a year. That 2002 team, yeah, I know people like to. I know people like to say that the 2002 Kings should have been in the finals. But even if you take away that suspect Game Six, Peja Stojakovic was wide open with about 11 seconds left in regulation in Game Seven with the score tied, and he airballed a wide open jumper. He was like Dan Marley in the '93 Finals. They had every chance possible to win that series against LA, and they mm-hmm. choked it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think him choking in big moments holds him back significantly, but. Tim Duncan, Carl Malone, Kevin Garnett, Dirk Nowitzki, they knew Chris Webber by name between the years of 96 and 2005. Dwight yeah, I think Howard? Chris Webber, like right. a top Dwight seven sure. player in his prime? like Oh, easily. Dwight Howard is a guy, and I know there's a lot of drama both behind the scenes and on the court. He's had a refreshing season this year. But you're talking about a guy who won, I think, either three or four Defensive Player of the Year awards. I don't know how a guy with that many DPOYs is left mm-hmm. off this list. And won him three in a row. Yeah. I mean, who would you I mean, how is, how is Dave Cowens ahead of him? That's what I would say. How yeah, is yeah. Bill? Like, how who is, would you rather uh, have between, uh, between Dikembe Mutombo or Dwight Howard in his prime? We all saw what he did in 09. The guy was yeah. a freak of nature. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, the, I'm, 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 I'm with you. I, I think a lot of this is personal bias at this point, and I do think that there was a Boston bias – for whatever reason, it, it comes. I mean, I don't think there's a Laker bias. I think the Laker picks were legitimate. I, I think there was a Boston bias, and I'm looking at some of them, and I'm just like, okay, I, you, how do you not have Dwight on there? Um, I think there's great what ifs with obviously with Grant Hill and Penny Hardaway. Those are the two mm-hmm. to me real what ifs. They definitely would have been on this list if they'd been healthier. But then to have Derek Vince Rose on the list, on list, but not then. Derek Rose might have been on this list too. Brandon Roy might have been on this list if he had another three or four years the way he was going. Um, but I, I don't, you know, the, the Dame Lillard one to me is interesting because I, I, I'm, I love Dame. So I'm never going to take shots at Dame. But for that to be the guy and it not to be Dwight, I think is. Yeah, I don't. I, 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 I think that's recency bias, honestly. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think Ricky laid it out perfectly. Like you substitute, maybe, maybe we go Dame, Pierce. And so and somebody else, and you take him out for Weber, Dwight, and, and who was the third? Uh, Weber, maybe. Dwight, and Carmelo. Yes, yes. I'm and Tony Parker. Yes, I, I would. I would sub out Pierce, Tony Parker, and Dame with those three that you said, and I, I would be perfectly happy with that. I think it's more. I mean, list. I mean, here, here's here's one thing I that I, I don't think over I those three guys. George Mikan is 34 on this list. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. He's, yeah, he's the first great big man, but no. Come on. No, this is I, back when we were shooting but, underhand. But, but, but that's why I'm saying I think there's a bias in both directions. I think there was this desire to get some of these older guys in, and at the same time there's this desire to get a Dame Lillard in towards the end. But then I, I think then there was also this desire to sort of forget about guys who faded at the end of their careers a little bit 
and are still playing, but were pretty damn good before then. And I'm not a Carmelo guy, uh, mm-hmm. but if you have Alex English on, you got to have Carmelo. And I'm not a Dwight guy necessarily, but Dwight may have deserved an MVP. He basically carried a team to the NBA Finals past LeBron at LeBron's mm-hmm. peak in the, in the, in the playoffs. Ooh, fun fact. Well, remember, we found this out after the fact, and in many ways you could make the case for this adding to LeBron's legend. Half that team was on PEDs. I know. I know. I know. Hedo and all the rest of them. Yeah, Hedo and Richard. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm not going to say that Stan was feeding him out the back because we don't know that, but that was pretty good. No, no, Stan was busy forming a wall. (laughs) He was, he was forming a wall. He was trying, well, he, he was trying to keep Rafer away from whatever Rafer's issues were. All right, guys, this is great. We've got too long. Great stuff. Um, follow Ricky at Ricky J. Mark. Obviously follow Alex at tropical blanket. Check out our sponsors. As I mentioned, bankruptcy is good for you.com. And also Christopher's bakery.com backslash five reasons, spell it out and spell out five reasons for 15% off. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.